Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, Dwayne chats with Benjamin Remsa, who's on the NC2 Solution Architecture team. They discuss updates to AOS 6.7 for NC2. It's a fun one, so let's join the conversation. This week, we're lucky to have Ben Remsa from the NC2 Solution Architect team. Hey, welcome, Ben. Hello, hello. We've, uh, I'm not really sure how long we've worked together. I want to say years, but maybe, maybe it's been more, maybe less. It's been, it's been quick sailing over here anyway. Yeah, I think it's been a couple years now, at least. I joined during the pandemic, so I don't think we've seen each other in person yet, uh, after two and a half years, but we're working on it. Yeah, I think there's still a few people that I need to meet physically, but, uh, Ignite conference season still underway, so there's a chance. Ignite and uh, reinvent are around the corner, so probably swing into a lot of people during those days. But uh, your schedule's been super busy, hard to pin you down in lieu of the recent AOS 6.7 updates. I wanted to get your take on what we're you know, some of the the bigger ones for AWS and Azure for NC2. And then as we get through those, maybe we can just discuss what you're seeing from from customer customer adoption and all things cloud. Awesome. So kicking it off, because I think my favorite update that I've that's made an impact in my life um, is around the custom security groups in AWS. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. I think uh, from the early days, we, we always had a, a pretty simple model where we gave you a few security groups and you kind of had one big one for all your user VMs. And we got a lot of feedback around, uh, you know, customers who wanted to either maintain existing security groups or provide multiple custom security groups. And so now that that's uh, possible, that is a, uh, that is a, a big one for, uh, for many of our enterprise customers. Yeah, microseg was always an option. Like if you're using the flow security, you could still kind of piece things off, but an AWS admin wants to use security groups. There's like, it's kind of the, the minimum requirements, I guess. Yeah, we, I, I think, too, we see a lot of NC2 sort of adjacent to uh, cloud native. So, you know, it's not a, a one size fits all with, with NC2. You might be running EC2 instances uh, out there, et cetera. So I think the ability for us to, you know, leverage, you know, AWS's own uh, security constructs is really beneficial, even if you're, you know, someone that's heavy on Nutanix and you like the... Uh, uh, you know, the policies you get in VPCs and the, um, you know, the, uh, the micro seg you get with uh, flow network and security. So for me, I know that the AWS side of the house, because it has hibernation and then it's really quick to deploy that I usually blow most of those things away when I'm not using them. So the the custom security, well, I guess there's three new ones. The one that, that sits at the VPC level has been super nice for me because now every time a cluster deploys, I don't have to figure configure any security. I just, it's automatically set. I have my settings for on-prem from AWS to on-prem, but I also have a VPN set up into Azure. So the if I want to 
move my VMs willy-nilly all across the North America. It's pretty easy to do. Yeah, you know, as you say that, I kind of think of it like a, a little bit of infrastructure as code, right? You kind of want a, a blueprint that's repeatable and you can deploy and you've got the appropriate uh, sort of security posture for everything. So I, I think that plus the idea that you can reuse a security group is is another really powerful you know feature for folks out there with redeploying clusters or deploying multiple clusters, right? Yeah, the I guess the one down having a security group defined at a cluster level, if you have multiple different business units. And then I think probably the the one that people wanted the most, even though the the VPC one's been pretty big for me, is just tying down at a at a subnet level so you can start protecting your apps that way, which you could in theory, you know, if you're ripping and replacing clusters, destroying them, whatever, you could code, like you could change out the cluster ID on that network security one. So you could, it could be dynamic if you wanted it to be as well. We're all about choice here at Nutanix. No, I, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, what, what we see too is still most customers will segment their workloads, you know, via subnet anyway. So I think the subnet one is a particularly good fit when you have things like a, you know, three tier, uh, you know, web app DB type architecture. Typically you see those, you know, tiers sitting in their own subnets anyway. And I think that fits nicely. I I think what the cool part about it, even though it doesn't really have any a customer impact, is just knowing that all of the ENIs that get attached to that server is happening dynamically based on the number of VMs and what's powered on, which also means the security groups are also automatically getting attached and added to those ENIs. So the feature doesn't seem big, but there's lots going under the covers to to make it happen. So kudos to engineering. You're here. The uh, one that I've only really played with, like as far as, you know, doing some enablement work and, and training was the, the multicast support now that um, that's provided. I I don't know if you've seen anything in the field, but around old databases or old apps, I guess, I guess the one that always comes up is like the movie business wanting to use multicast for streaming. But I haven't seen that on our side of the fence usually. It's usually old databases that you need to support, like or a test dev Oracle rack environment. Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things where if you're in the group that needs it, you need it. And the, and the rest of us are like, oh, really? Multicast? I, I think of the other one that pops into my mind, too. I think, uh, uh, what do you call Microsoft clustering services now? Windows failover clustering or whatever. I think there's some multicast going on there. So I think really this sort of just rounds out uh, NC2 on AWS, which is, I think, getting pretty mature in terms of you know feature set now. Yeah, it's pretty easy to set up as far as you, you do. If you're not using a transit VPC, you need to use a transit VPC, but you can take an existing VPC and lock it loaded into it. So I think it's got a pretty, pretty small uplift if you, if you need the feature. And then I think the, the one that's probably had the most press, which I almost forgot about because uh, on to the next one as Jay Z would say um, is cluster protect. And 
that that kind of being the the first implementation of Project Beacon is kind of kind of interesting. Maybe what what's your take on cluster? Well, what is Cluster Protect, and what's your take on it? Well, I think you know Cluster Protect gives us an easy way to take the entire you know uh, all VMs CVM configuration of the cluster and very similar to hibernation, send that, you know, those snapshots down into S3 as a way to sort of protect the cluster at a regular interval. And really the situation here is, you know, what would happen if, uh, you know, an entire availability zone or uh, region went down, right? Something that could impact a cluster. Cause I mean, as you know, we do a lot of things in the cluster for resiliency, right? We'll, you know, we're matching up, uh, you know, the partitions or we're spreading across AWS's partitions using our rack awareness, make sure we're not going to be impacted by, you know, a uh, top of rack switch failure or power failure in the data center, or at least it's not going to impact more than one node. But again, you know, with the shared responsibility model in AWS, them sort of holding down the responsibility, the, the, the data centers, what happens if, right? And so Cluster Protect gives us a way to protect everything with a sort of easy button down into S3. And yeah, I think you're right. I think the 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 DNA inside Cluster Protect, we're going to see a lot more of uh, in the future to come. Yeah, I think the, the one question that I get all the time is, when is it coming to on-prem into S3? That uh, is a big one. Though it can, I guess, be serviced by our partners today, your backups to S3, I think. It's I don't I don't know if it's once a month, but I do get quite a bit, you know, at the bad event it already happened with ransomware, and then people are looking for fresh environments to <laughs> to spin up. So yeah. that uh, is unfortunate, but true story. It actually <laughs> I saw on YouTube the other day, um, uh, social engineering this lady with with the guy beside her, like the like she phoned into the person's insurance company had a YouTube video playing on the side of a baby screaming. Oh, man. And then started to proceed to say, oh, man, my husband really wants me to get this done. Sorry. Oh, my kid's crying. She tend, briefly tends to the kid and then comes back on. It's like it was so well done. And yeah, she got everything. She got she got a new account set up for her. She got the password reset. So and then like so and it, it, I've, I've clicked on things myself. You know, you're having a bad day at work. And then this email comes in that like, vaguely something that you were like just like oh my god are you kidding me you did that and then you click on it and then um, then you're in security training prison <laughs> it's always amazing that humans are the weakest link uh with with technology but uh you know I, i've seen what you've seen out there in the field right the reason why i think a lot of people are excited about cluster protect is the idea that maybe this would come on prem and uh the idea there is you know for customers that don't want the cost of running bare metal, you know, in a in a cluster, let's say in AWS or Azure, where they can do DR2, um, you know, they want to not have the cost of that compute running. You know, how great would it be to take an on-prem cluster and send that data straight into S3 for restoration into an NC2 cluster later? And really, I think what you give up there is, you know, your 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 recovery time is going to be longer, right, with that sort of scenario, just as it is a little bit longer with our third-party vendors, you know, the Veeams and the Commvaults that can tear out to the cloud. Uh, and yes, those backups could be restored into an NC2 cluster, um, but, you know, all of that 
tends to take a little bit more time than native DR, but it costs less. So there's a lot of interest, I think, around both Cluster Protect and the multi-cloud snapshot technology underneath it because of that. I think it opens doors for people for reducing costs even further. How much are you willing to pay for a feature that you may never use? I guess that's the classic <laughs> DR question. <laughs> like like yeah. for like in the, the secondary data center. But uh, yeah, <laughs> when you when you cheap out and then live with the regret afterwards, it uh, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I mean, I came from the partner world and, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of customers for, you know, 15 years, let's say, would, you know, purchase hardware and software and, you know, build a data center and then build a second data center, uh, you know, one to one, you know, times two on the cost. I mean, that's the best way to hedge your bets against, you know, some sort of cataclysmic failure, but it's, you know, three years on, five years on. If you haven't suffered and you haven't actually gone through a DR event, I think, you know, the, the CTOs of the world and even the, uh, um, you know, CIOs, right? They're, they're CFOs. All of them are kind of asking themselves, is it worth it? Like, is it worth it to pay for this, uh, for that tight recovery time? And the answer, you know, hey, it depends on your org, but, it, you know, sometimes it can be maybe not so much. God bless all the people still using tape. I don't know. If you still the Iron exist. Mountain trucks. <laughs> I I heart you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I've used tape to recover like a server, but never multiple servers at the same time. So I've never had to really live through that. Fortunately. Does anyone um, test the tapes? Is the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once a year, so I get that checkbox from the auditors. Yeah, the, I think that that's pretty much like the big ones from, at least from NC two. Obviously, all of the AOS ones that filter down, kind of also end up in the bucket as far as feature set goes. On the the Microsoft side for NC two, I think just one giant one um, regarding flow high availability and um yeah i guess high availability i think the the part of that story is the the ease of use but maybe ben describe before 6.7 and then um going to 6.7 yeah i mean i would agree that this is a is a the big one for for azure for me um and so today uh, our flow gateway is an Azure native VM that sits just outside our NC2 cluster and actually acts as a border between Azure and Nutanix, sort of underlay, bordering, overlay, right? And so it's a singular VM that is monitored by our portal. And if it went down, we stop getting pings from it. You know, we stop getting uh, notifications and we redeploy it, right? But that redeployment process takes minutes. And during those minutes, those user VMs might not be able to get north and south, right? That traffic might not be able to get out. So while, yes, it is uh, sort of high availability, it's not the best, right? Um, so where we are today is we're actually deploying pairs of flow gateways with 6.7. Uh, and we call that flow gateway HA or a scale out flow gateway. And so now um, both you get the benefit of having um, the combined bandwidth of those multiple 
uh, logical routers, you know, the border between overlay and underlay, and you get a, a, a failover response time that's much closer to something like a minute than several minutes, right? So um, it's more of a true HA. And we're doing that, you know, leveraging BGP so that the rest of Azure knows, you know, what flow gateways are the primary and remaining in case one were, were to fail. And I think that also sort of brings us in line with how Azure does uh, dynamic routing. So I think that's also uh, a big important one. And I think that might actually be setting up another quote unquote feature we could we could talk about too, which is just maybe, you know, BGP in and of itself, right? Yeah, the requirement before, at least, you know, if you had an on-prem connection, which I would say 95% of our customers have some type of on-prem using NC2, maybe. And then having to set up a, a user-defined route to get your traffic to the Flow Gateway VM. Uh, not hard, but why in the in this day and age? So, yeah, I think that's that's probably that's the ease of use coming in. And then all of the other all of the other Nutanix overlays that you're creating the ability to to get them out without having to, you know, touch things. Touching things is bad because you forget about them and never never change them once you do set them. Yeah, I mean, we uh, typically with a NC2 engagement, we're talking to uh, our Nutanix folks, our champions in the data center. And then as we get close to onboarding or doing a POC, we're including cloud people and network people and security people. And inevitably, when we get around to the network people and we start talking about user-defined routes and static routes to get the overlay networks, they just glaze over or start rolling their eyes at us. So now those network guys can can breathe a little bit easier knowing that dynamically they will listen and discover, you know, our overlay networks and vice versa. We'll, we'll learn about those on-prem networks. And that's, it's just sort of like enterprise networking 101 type stuff, but um, it, it's a big deal for us to achieve. And I think it kind of you know, solidifies the kind of enterprise networking aspect of NC2 on Azure. I think the from years gone by, I think Nutanix was really good at simplifying the operational stack. And I think we probably beat up on the storage admin quite a bit for, if you're, you know, the need for LUNs and management. And I, now we've just kind of entered in a new world of silos and that silo being, you know, the cloud admin, like you got to have one for AWS and one for one for Azure and, you know, the list goes on. <laughs> so I think there's, you know, the hybrid multi-cloud story while I'll say that I probably only like, it's probably like a fortune 500 thing where it is a requirement today. At least I see talking to, you know, those large customers have, you know, they're not using one cloud today, but I, I guess uh, I wonder when the breaking point, when it becomes normal below that. Yeah. As you say that, I, I keep thinking about, a, uh, I don't know who coined the frame, but a good phrase, but you know, many of our customers are in multiple clouds, but are not quite multi-cloud, right? So they're, they're dealing with those silos. They have an Azure, uh, an Azure, an Azure, and an AWS guy, right? And a Nutanix guy, and a VMware guy, and a Rubrik guy, and all that sort of stuff. So that I think the more you know, we can uh, flatten this out, the easier it gets operationally uh, for organizations. My favorite pronunciation, 
a pronunciation of Azure is Azure. 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 Get that, I, yeah, I hear that a lot. The French, the French version. <laughs> well, you're close to Quebec, so you might you might have the inside track on that. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. We might all be saying it wrong with Azure, but uh, either way, AWS makes it a little bit easier, I think. Angelo is basically the neighbor for Quebec. I'm I'm in Redneck, Alberta. We're just <laughs> just out here in our in our dualies, just you know, two miles per gallon, just sucking back the oil. So <laughs> it's giving you my uh, my my American uh, geography uh, pedigree there. Yeah, it's Canada. You must be close to Quebec. Uh, yeah. Well, it's. If we're ever on a on a call, I always I always tell people I'm from Calgary just so they can. Most people have some reminiscence of the the '88 Olympics or, or know the Flames. I guess a lot of people now know the Oilers because of McDavid. But I'm just two miles away from Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, as far you know, as you're talking with customers, what? What is moving them to the cloud? But I would I would kind of think that most are already there in some degree. It's probably the the real story. You're probably having to deal with a problem is kind of where I would think Nutanix would, would slide in that we're solving. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, the intent to to sort of you know, in some cases, replatform things, but, you know, in other cases, truly refactor applications. And, you know, we see organizations take that on and it almost always takes longer than you anticipate, right? Understanding the dependencies, rebuilding an application is is no joke. And when it does take longer, what we're seeing is, you know, these customers are, are making commitments to Azure and to AWS and in return, they're getting discounting, right? So they make an Azure consumption commitment and then they get some discounting and, you know, all sorts of good stuff in their enterprise agreement. Right. And, and AWS has a similar model. Well, you know, when your refactoring project isn't getting done in time and you have commitments to spend in cloud and the workload hasn't made it over there, um, that is one sort of use case that transcends the other use cases, you know, in the NC2 world, right. We have all the stuff that, you know, our customers, uh, align with the DR is a big one. EUC works great. Burst, right? Just the ability to lift and shift, and it's really that last one that I that I'm referring to here is just getting there quicker. It's been a little bit of a surprise to me how many customers have struggled. You know, it's whether it's a mandate or a strategy, they're going all in on an Azure or an AWS, at least with uh, respect to let's say IaaS. And they can't get there. And so one of the things that we can do is help get them there faster. And then that blends in with a lot of the other use cases like EUC with Citrix or, you know, DR with other Nutanix clusters out there on the edge or in the data center. Uh, and then obviously the burst, right? Using the, the, the public clouds resources, their on-demand resources, which is really what they're known for to say, hey, if I'm a retailer and I've got seasonal demand, here's a bunch more infrastructure I don't need to wait for. And now it's, you know, running Nutanix on NC2. I don't uh, have any real, I think we hit all of the NC2 features. I thought, is there anything else you want to touch on regards on NC2? No, I think this was um, 
to me, it was a big sort of, I know there were big features here, but this is like quality of life stuff for enterprises that are used to things working in a certain way. And so I think this brings us up to a level where we absolutely just need to be. And then I think what I'm excited about is kind of what comes next. And I think you and I both have got a sort of a sneak preview of some of that stuff, but it's really just an extension of like all of these sort of like robust networking features. Can we support, you know, VWIN and active active VPNs and all these various configurations that customers, they just have, you know, they've got existing connectivity into the cloud. They've got existing infrastructure. So we need to be able to support a wide variety of these topologies. And I think for me too, that's another one of the the, the benefits of Nutanix and NC2 is uh, we're not a hosted service. So if you, know, you want to integrate an NC2 cluster with X, Y, and Z in AWS or Azure, very easy to do. You have complete control over those VPCs, those VNets, et cetera. Any app anywhere. Any app anywhere. Run anywhere, right? The story of Ben. <laughs> Brought to you by Paramount. Sneak preview. Well, it's nice having you on, Ben. Appreciate appreciate the time and going through the the NC2 6.7 features. And hopefully sooner than later, you're back again with the next allotment of, of goodies. Well, uh, thank you for having me. And hey, maybe we'll see each other in person soon. Three years on. We're <laughs> <laughs> three years. Well, as long as there's not masking going on in planes again, I'll be quite happy. So, <laughs> All right. Thanks Take so much. Care. Thanks for listening to the Nutanix Community Podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to next.nutanix.com. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week. Have a great week.